0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. I was never much, of much, much, much. <laughs> never really much of what to start a podcast without already a mistake. Oh, painfully so. I was never much, <laughs> and there'll be plenty more where that came from. I was never much of one to consider alien life forms in any sort of extraterrestrial alien life forms in any sort of uh, realistic way. Uh, Nice to think about them, possibly imagine. Always thought it was a bit interesting. They all looked somewhat humanoid, (laughs) actually. I, I came to the conclusion that most alien life, as we might picture them to be, uh, sort of look like dead people. Uh, would you exhume a body and <laughs> take a look at it? Or you go to one of the Egyptian uh, tombs and uh, bring the mummy out and you take the grave cloths off and what do you see? It may be something that Resembles obviously so a human form, but it is like ugly kind of semblance. Uh, aliens sort of look like dead people that have been mummified, or those individuals that, in the Catholic Church, the relics of the saints, their body parts, are under glass somewhere, and or maybe even take that a little bit further, no further sort of relationship a connection to religion, I intentioned, but it's sort of like those that were in the bottles when you were in science class, those being animals, whatever, whatever, whatever that was preserved in formaldehyde that you had to cut open in your ninth grade biology class. Nevertheless, I suppose we've come to a point in time, at least we're being told, there is indeed alien life forms, and we're still left with trying to figure out what they look like. But my point is this, and I think the article will back it up, and possibly by the end of the podcast we'll work our way back around to it, is that whatever it is, we have no idea what they look like, but that is where we start with most relationships. Difference. Something different. Uh, exploration. <laughs> discovery. And then determining commonality. Psychology today, and that's a lot of psychology stuff. Se- September, October of 2023... There's actually a section, personality, eccentric's corner. If they're listening out there, they'll hear from, they'll hear from here, linguist. Sherry Wells Jensen wants to ensure that when aliens arrive, we're ready to talk by Devon Fry. In science fiction, the question of how humans are able to communicate with creatures from different planets is often glossed over or magicked away. The Tardis translates for the Doctor and his companions. The Babel fish facilitates conversations as Arthur Dent hitchhikes hitchhikes across the galaxy. Yet, if aliens did make contact with us, How would we make ourselves understood by them and vice versa? Linguist Sherry Wells Jensen, who investigates extraterrestrial languages at Bowling Green State University, spoke to Psychology Today about the promise and perils of alien communication and how we might prepare the human race in all its iterations for a future life in space. You've been pondering space your whole life. Why? A typical answer is often I went out into the darkness and saw the stars, and I yearned for them. That is kind of my narrative, but the part I resist is that the visual experience of seeing the stars is what creates wonder. Wonder comes from inside. For me, it was just the stillness and a sense that we are small. And the idea that we could not only, or we could go not only outside our homes and communities, but our actual planet. What kind of an amazing thing is that? It's all out there, right there. And there are no limits that we know of. So why did you pursue linguistics and not astronomy? Math, astronomy, and physics were always my goal. The reason I didn't pursue them was 100% sociological. I was born blind. And the idea that I would go into the hard sciences. Well, nobody really thought that would happen. I wasn't forbidden, but I was smart enough to read the room when they said, I guess we could try to braille that geometry book for you if you really want us to. The message was, you're kind of a pain. I ended up in the Peace Corps, where lost souls often go, and I fell in love with the genius of our language teachers. Their grammatical insights unlocked the whole world of communication. How can we study alien languages if we've never encountered one? It's actually not that complicated, precisely because we don't know anything yet. We're just flailing around, but we're laying down intellectual depth on the topic. One of the things we study is the variety of languages on Earth. It gives us a jumping-off place for when we do encounter, when we do encounter an alien language. Is this like Italian, like Navajo, like Hawaiian? We can start with ideas about human languages and then branch out. But we have to be science fiction writers to some extent and just think about the possibilities. Will the aliens have vision? Will they walk upright? Those traits are useful but they're not necessary and thinking through the possibilities and how they might influence communication can make it so that when we do make first contact, we're not completely overwhelmed. What are likely to be the biggest challenges of communicating with aliens? You and I share a lot of cultural context and speak the same language, but it's still awfully easy for us to misunderstand one another. If we speak different earth languages, the likelihood of confusion multiplies. And then, if we're talking about aliens who may not even share our body shape, let alone any sort of cultural touchstone, the potential for miscommunication is wild. You've been involved in atmospheric test flights, a.k.a. the vomit comet, through the organization Astro Access. What did they reveal? The purpose of those flights was to figure out disabled people's needs in microgravity. Can deaf people use ASL and zero G or do the movements of their hands knock them around the cabin? If you're blind, how do you stay oriented? How do you know where you are when you no longer have it down as a reference point? We learn that these are solvable problems. We can use ASL in zero gravity. Disabled people can get into a seat and buckled in in the requisite amount of time. I don't know that we're culturally closer, but physically we're closer than we've ever imagined to disabled people participating safely in space flight. You work with METI International, an organization that periodically sends out messages aliens might intercept, including, in 2017, music and math lessons beamed out to space in binary code. Are there risks to that approach? We honestly don't know, and I won't tell people who are afraid of the danger that their fears are unjustified. But I think it comes down to who we are as a species. What is our inherent nature? Is it to be immobile, to be insular, to hide, or is it to reach out? It's the same sort of question we ask ourselves every day when we walk into the world. If I see something going on, do I ask, how can I be a part of this? Or do I keep my head down and mind my own business? It's a big philosophical question. How do we want to be in the universe? What might an effective interstellar message look like? My hope is on math. We can build from the simplest pieces ones and zeros. They're super easy to send on a radio wave, but marvelously powerful. We could send a whole basket of equations and build them up step by step, inference by inference, until we are saying quite complex things. Couldn't aliens be listening to us already? That's the reality. We, spent, we send pulses into space all the dang time. The equivalent of shouting gibberish. Wouldn't it be better if we said something intentional? Wouldn't it be better if we just said, hi? Again, Psychology Today, September, October 2023. In the section, personality, eccentrics corner. If they're listening out there, they'll hear from here. Linguist Sherry Wells Jensen wants to ensure that when aliens arrive ready to talk, we are ready to talk by Devon Fry. Now, if we're dead, if aliens truly are like mummies or look like mummies, I'm not sure that there's much use in any of this. But since we're not, and to just kind of make a segue of sorts winding back around, rounding back to (laughs) the initial premise. Uh, Everything that begins in context of relationship because of the relationship, for the sake of relationship, because it is a relationship, must hold some difference. And what is the difference? It's probably as unique to the material construct, <laughs> as creativity seems to suggest, it could be for anything and anyone, anywhere, even in intro species sort of context, intra species sort of context, intro species intra within the species and within the context of relationship in the species. There's unique differences, enough so that we have communication breakdown, enough so that we have problems talking to one another, enough so that it seems to be right at this particular moment, possibly always has been, will likely never be any greater than in the moment we're in right now, to be such the obstacle to working together. So, what is a relationship if you can't work together? You might as well be dead. You could do it, possibly, in and of yourself, but then in that relationship sort of terms, it's still a relationship, but you can't get nearly as much done. And you're really not going to learn much different. You're not going to really celebrate all these high concept sort of notions that we seem to in the present moment we're in, be very, very passionate over and for diversity. But for diversity to really occur, (laughs) you don't have to really talk or even get along. But for us to appreciate diversity, we have to talk and get along. We have to communicate. And for the sake of just survival of the species, it is an adaptive, evolutionarily adaptive advantage to communicate. I suppose if you extend that to extraterrestrials (laughs) and we all share one world, a common universe, though quite likely in similar measure, even similar ratio, equally diverse. It would have to be your want and desire to communicate, to have a relationship that then would make it possible to have a relationship and coexist in such diversity. It's a basic premise, whether you're looking introspectively within yourself or the species, you have to get along with yourself. And since most of us have at least two parts that communicate, seemingly so, for the sake of relationship, maybe speaks to just the basic foundational premise that everything is predicated upon relationship, should with integrity then extend itself to intra species communications. And then interspecies communications, presuming aliens are not offended by the label of species. And then there's all of those otherwise things that seem to continue to trip us up today, even within our own selves and our own species about he's, she's, it's, they's, them's, ups, downs, rights, lefts. But you have to have some definition. I get it that. Numbers, math, as the article sort of captured, I, and it was an interview format. I don't know if I did it justice. I don't know if you could by reading it over, <laughs> you only listening, I'm reading it, but through the podcast. But without your visual, and this individual they were interviewing was indeed blind, it's a little more difficult to possibly see. The nuances of those definitions and all four full form sensation, all five sensory input at once. But the question becomes one of you have to have, or at least the acknowledgement that leads to the most pertinent of questions, it seems, you have to have definitions. Hopefully extraterrestrials won't be offended by our linguistic (laughs) attempts to define things and whether or not there is some common dimension to math. Ones, binary, ones and zeros, I don't know, possibly music. (laughs) Do, 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 E.T. sorts of things, or is that just, again already culturally been so prejudiced as E.T. was so <laughs> seen by so many universally sort of experienced and in, in that way close encounters of the really the e-do-do-do-do-do of the third kind all of that is a bias is what I'm trying to capture already, we're prejudiced. The idea, though, is is that we have to want to communicate. But the same thing goes with psychology. You can come in and seek psychological counseling and assistance and introspection and looking at yourself and understanding yourself better and using that relationship dynamic and principle that seems to be innately inherent in all, at least humans, which we are pro-social creatures, but even that has a label. But I believe if I use that word, most people are not going to be offended. We want to get along. And as the article also points out, we're naturally curious. We want to learn of others, but maybe that isn't necessarily for the sake of just learning and knowledge. Maybe that is for the implicit sake of relationships, since we are pro social creatures. And with that, we would hope that whatever we encounter, ET or first encounters, third (laughs) counters. of close encounters, that's what it is, of the extraterrestrial kind, we're going to find ourselves, hopefully, wanton to discover, to find out, to, with that then, use whatever then must be overcome for the sake of relationship. To make us better persons. To make us more adaptive. To help us to help others as we help ourselves. To help ourselves as we help others. Close encounters is a third kind. I don't know. The idea though is that's basic to psychological counseling. Whether it's just you talking to yourself. You talking to me. Or with the hope of some... Pro-social orientation for the sake of adaptability, communicating with others. I hope that you're not so self-absorbed for whatever reason that you can relate to others, but even should you be somewhat at a liability, such as the interviewee in this article in Psychology Today, you're blind. That takes away one of predominantly five senses, but let's hope there's six and maybe they're a composite of all five, but maybe four will do if you should be a disability in one of the primary five ways of collecting data, sensorium, experiencing the world. You still could count on the sixth. <laughs> what is the 6th more of an intuitive, but it doesn't have to be any more complex than to say it's all relationship driven. We're looking for ways to connect. We want to connect. You do the opposite. If you're not looking for ways to connect, if you don't want to connect, don't be surprised if you can't. Don't be surprised if not connecting will lead to nothing but conflict. And at some point in <laughs> <and> conquest, <laughs> if you measure that in terms of rights and wrongs and all the things of war <laughs> and all the things of social evil that would then represent social denigration, disintegration. We have to want to get along. We have to desire. We are implicitly, I still believe, inclined to. The only thing that possibly could destroy that is malicious intent encountering people who don't want to get along. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've been damaged. Maybe they've been wounded. Maybe they've got some... Of the same human psychological dimension that we do? I doubt it. I don't know. It's interesting to ponder. But if they're not pro social, we're in trouble. (gasps) If they are pro social, then it's good. The same thing with psychological counseling. If you're pro social, then you want to get along. If you're anti social, Or if you're asocial, then you don't care. I'd like to believe the world, at least our world, is filled full of desire to get along. It is ecosystem, it's ecological, it is diversity, but it's diversity as in celebration. We can all be different and still get along. Oh, there's different parts of me that need to be in some psychological measure reconciled. Can you help me? Sure. Let's just discover the other part of you and figure out a way to pull the two parts together. Oh, I want to have this wonderful relationship with a significant other. Or, oh, I am forced. by situation and circumstance to get along with individuals who are really different than me and I still want to get along. That gives me something to work with. That gives us something to work with. That gives us a hinge pin of sorts to hold our society together. And unless the conflict would become so painful (laughs) we become so reactive and we fall into such the binary position of survival of the fittest and become xenophobic <laughs> whatever it is globally phobic transphobic um whatever phobia <laughs> xenophobic that we want to kill one another, that probably doesn't help anybody. And in the end, you could live by that sort of survival of the fittest mentality. And even though evolution, sort of, if not directly, is predicated upon that, I don't discount evolution. I just don't know if that's the primary premise. I think the primary premise is we want to get along. Survival of the fittest would be adapting to the diversity, but it would not be with the intention to kill. It would not be with the intention of reactively so in fight-or-flight mode, which is legitimate, survival mode, reactive thinking. We go around seeing everything eventually as an enemy, not only through some awareness of potential threat and danger, hypervigilance, things can kill you, but there's far worse fates than death. And maybe that's why all extraterrestrials look like dead people to me. Because in my mind's eye, in that sixth censored way, I like to remove all of that stuff. So that we can really be more spiritual, if that's what that represents. Intuitive, if you're not comfortable with the word spiritual, it does tend to, again, hold prejudice like a lot of other things, some of which I've already mentioned on the podcast. But it is a way of defining it, but if you're not comfortable with that, then let's say introspective. And if you're not comfortable with that, who needs numbers? Who needs music? Maybe we could do the Star Trek mind meld. Or melt? (laughs) I can't remember what Spock called it. He was a Vulcan. But maybe we don't need language at all. Maybe we'll just be able to communicate thoughts. And then maybe all those individuals that are somewhat labeled now as I have to be careful. I want to say psychotic, hallucinatory, delusional, as with schizophrenia. They believe a lot of that stuff. Maybe they're not as psychotic or, dare I say, crazy as they seem to be. Maybe they're more advanced. Maybe they're of greater, more advanced sort of nature. Maybe they're extraterrestrials. And I'm not trying to make light of this. I'm just trying to make the point. We get hung up in our own preconceived notions. I think that's what the article is calling our attention to. But we have to work pretty hard on being a blank slate. And with that, we have to work pretty hard on removing what's called, our awareness is called to, our attention is called to, once our attention has been called to it, our own prejudices and biases. (laughs) Again, that's the cause of all war. That's the cause of conquest. That's not how (laughs) organically the natural world works. Sorry, Darwin. It's not that their intention to be surviving because they want dominance, evolutionarily so, or they're going to find themselves at the top of the food chain, or it's just simply survival of the fittest. It's just survival. But aren't we a little higher ordered or higher minded in the gifts of consciousness and psychology and awareness and all of those great abstract thoughts, all of that great brain power, higher frontal lobe, cortical functioning, hypothetical reasoning, logic? Can't we come up with a better way than kill or be killed? I hope so. That's what I offer in psychological counseling, that's what I'm hopeful that probably most psychotherapists would offer. It's pro-social, it's work together, it's be the best person you can be, it's figuring out a way to do this without harm, it's not me telling you what you should be or you telling anybody else what they should be. It's finding some common ground and allowing ourselves to be who we are and believing that there is a higher ecological order if we allow it to more organically, intuitively, spiritually sort of manifest itself. At this particular point, we're left with mere words to translate Concepts, conceptualizations, but hopefully one day we will need music, do 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 do, do. numbers. It used to be computers made sounds, I guess they don't need to anymore, as things are being counted off. We don't need to codify our codes, maybe we'll just bleed into one. The semblance of totalitarianism at its best, Marxism at its best. But you've got to get past all of the prejudices, and good luck with that. Science is our best hope. Objectivity, highest order research-oriented, model-oriented thinking, that level of intellectual pursuit is probably the cleanest read we're going to get. That's what we're sworn to. You come see somebody like me, but so are all scientists. And even though this article speaks to things that seem maybe at least initially was to me a bit radical and unrealistic, and I can't help but sometimes continue, as you can tell, to poke some fun at that because of all of the different ways we've looked at it over all of the years, the generations, at least the my generation, the years that I've lived... It's a little humorous and I don't think it's bad to be able to laugh at me or laugh at my generation. But I'm hoping that a day will come when we begin to realize you've got to see it with as much clarity as humanly possible. Science is the only way to really get to the true intuitive or spiritual aspect. But when you go there, you expect you're going to have to admit you've been a bit foolish, and you've been a bit wrong. And if you can laugh at it, at least there's a sense of some benevolence, not humiliation, laughing at it. But, oh, I can't believe I thought that way. But now, as then through dark glass, wavy glass, I couldn't see really well. But now, face to face, I see it for what it really is. But I'm not looking necessarily so much at it from such the vantage point of the difference it's just i can see it within me which makes it easier than to follow the trail as it moves from within me to outside of me and then see it in you i hope that for the sake of ecosystems ecology again everything rightly being sort of tied together that something holds us together and that it's not about kill or be killed. It's not Darwinian, at least at premise. It really is about serving highest order master. But what is that? Master, slave, that's computer jargon, ones and zeros. Hopefully it's about a master program <laughs> and that's all I'm speaking to. That Really is about us getting along and not only with ourselves but other people and not harming ourselves or others. Suicide and homicide, we don't allow to happen. We need to put it into it. Not only in my office, not only in my sphere or realm of influence, whether it's in my office or through the podcast, we need to put a stop to it. It's not good, it, it's evil best word that I could come up with, I apologize if it's offensive. But I hope the podcast in general isn't so offensive that you don't come back. And I also hope that if I do offend you, you'll see past it that I am just a mere human and left to my own paradigms. But I am certainly open to altering them and hearing different ways and listening to and discovering in diversity different ways of putting this all together, just reach out to me and should I be able to help you from my little corner of the world, whether it is virtually so, which is not bound by the world, or geographically so, which is a little bit more binding, you have to be able to get to me and, and, and tour whatever you go through physically to sit in my office and to experience it in real time, uh, I hope you reach out. I hope you come back to the podcast, but I hope you reach out. You can contact me at 304-523-WORD-9673-DRMD-Clay at thewordhouse.com at (laughs) WordHouse on Facebook as well as YouTube. And you can certainly find us at thewordhouse.com on the World Wide Web. But once again, should you not want to do any of those more complex or difficult things and you just want an easy route, all you have to do is listen to the podcast and find us through whatever platform you found us today. But until we get a chance to meet again and further such lively conversations, our relationship, I want to wish you the best of not only wellness, and health in general, but also mind health. And uh, look forward to our talking again. Thanks.